Welcome by the Grand Jury of Sepulpas County, an extraordinary session assembled the 18th day of June last. Judge Ellithorpe looked satisfied as the bailiff sat down, quite winded. While the judge hunted through the papers on his desk, the crowd in the auditorium stirred and murmured. A child began to cry. The judge stood up and pounded his gavel. "'What is it? What's the matter with him? You, Dundon!' The court attendant the judge was looking at hurried over and spoke to the child's mother, then reported to the judge. "'I don't know, Your Honor. All he says is something scared him.' The judge was enraged. "'Well, that's just fine. Now we have to take up the time of all these good people, probably for no reason, and hold up the business of this court just because of a child. Bailiff, I want you to clear this courtroom of all children under—' He hesitated, calculating voting blocks in his head. "'All children under the age of six. Dr. Palmer, are you there? Well, you better go ahead with the prayer.' The judge could not make himself say the exorcism. "'I'm sorry, madam,' he added to the mother of the crying two-year-old. "'If you have someone to leave the child with, I'll instruct the attendants to save your place for you.' She was also a voter." Dr. Palmer rose, very grave, as he was embarrassed. He glared around the all-purpose room, defying anyone to smile, as he chanted, "'Domini Pythonus, I command you, leave! Leave hell! Leave Heloim! Leave Sother and Thetragrammaton! Leave all unclean ones! I command you, in the name of God, in all of His manifestations!' He sat down again, still very grave. He knew that he did not make nearly as fine a showing as Father Lon, with his resonant in nomina Jesu Christi et Sancti Ubaldi and his censor, but the post of exorcist was filled in strict rotation, one month to a denomination ever since the trouble started. Dr. Palmer was a Unitarian. Exorcisms had not been in the curriculum at the seminary, and he had been forced to invent his own. Chandler's lawyer tapped him on the shoulder. "'Last chance to change your mind,' he said. "'No, I'm not guilty, and that's the way I want to plead.' The lawyer shrugged and stood up, waiting for the judge to notice him. Chandler, for the first time, allowed himself to meet the eyes of the crowd. He studied the jury first. He knew some of them casually. It was not a big enough town to command a jury of total strangers for any defendant, and Chandler had lived there most of his life. He recognized Pop Matheson, old and very stiff, who ran the railroad station cigar stand. Two of the other men were familiar as faces passed in the street. The forewoman, though, was a stranger. She sat there very composed and frowning, and all he knew about her was that she wore funny hats. Yesterday's had been red roses when she was selected from the panel. Today was, of all things, a stuffed bird. He did not think any of them were possessed. He was not so sure of the audience. He saw girls he had dated in high school long before he met Margot, men he worked with at the plant. They all glanced at him, but he was not sure who was looking out through some of those familiar eyes. The visitors reliably watched all large gatherings, at least momentarily. It would be surprising if none of them were here. "'All right. How do you plead?' said Judge Ellithorpe at last. Chandler's lawyer straightened up. 
Not guilty, Your Honor, by reason of temporary pandemic insanity. The judge looked pleased. The crowd murmured, but they were pleased, too. They had him dead to rights, and it would have been a disappointment if Chandler had pleaded guilty. They wanted to see one of the vilest criminals in contemporary human society caught, exposed, convicted, and punished. They did not want to miss a step of the process. Already in the playground behind the school, three deputies from the sheriff's office were loading their rifles, while the school janitor chalked lines around the handball court to mark where the court witnessing the execution would be permitted to stand. The prosecution made its case very quickly. Mrs. Porter testified that she worked at McKelvey Brothers, the antibiotics plant where the defendant also worked. Yes, that was him. She had been attracted by the noise from the culture room last, let's see, was it the 17th day of June last? prompted the